welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I thought last week's podcast went really well, so this week we've got the same lineup with Laurie, as usual, being co-host, and we're also joined by Greg. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi, Craig. Hi, Laurie. All right. Never change a winning lineup. That's what they always say, isn't it? That's it. All None right. of that squad rotation. None of that. You can also you can also go on the assumption that Derek Ray couldn't make it this week again. <laughs> That's just why you're lumped with me again. So uh, yeah, maybe next week we'll get him. Uh, the recording is taking place on a Monday evening because our usual Sunday night slot was delayed, basically so I could spend the day in the pub, watching the old firm and enjoying my a few pints. So I thought we'd start off the the first game that we'd take a look at was the old firm Rangers versus Celtic. And, well, yesterday, uh, I always like an old firm Sunday, started the day with a, a big big bowl of porridge to set me up, off to the pub, a few pints, watched the game. It was, well, as a Rangers fan, it was it was enjoyable, but I think that uh, neutrals would agree that it was a, a very good advert for Scottish football. It's not often that you see a team go ahead, then go behind, and then come back to, to win in such a fashion. I think that Rangers came out the blocks very well in the first half and until Celtic scored theirs and they really bossed it for the rest of the, the second half and I really feared for Rangers. McGregor will be gutted that he let in the, the long range. Was it, uh, what was the guy's, the left-back called? Kaduri? El Kaduri. Kaduri. Uh, I, I think maybe it was just a bit too easy, a shot. <laughs> well, it was it was too easy. No, I think it like, was. I, I, think, I hate those shots where they're too easy, so you've got to let them in. Dreadful. I think it's just maybe maybe too easy for him because it was he didn't really have to move for it. It was just coming straight for him, and it was a case of maybe just taking his uh, losing concentration, taking his eye off the ball. Neighbors always say those those ones that are straight at you with no power. Those are the difficult ones, you know. <laughs> Absolute howler. Get down there, get your body behind it. Doesn't matter if they've hit it from 20 yards at 70 miles an hour or from 12 yards at 2 miles an hour. Basic page one of the goalkeeper's manual, that, even though I've never played in goals, but that's what they tell me. I was, it, was, it was a dreadful error. I have did one of, the, one of those really bad ones. I, I'm, I just don't... It's very... I would say it's uncharacteristic, but I think McGregor does... He does have like the occasional error in him. He more than makes up for it, generally, for Rangers. You know, I think as Naismith, I think it was Naismith said at the end, you know, he saves them enough times, so it was a nice change for them to get kind of get him out of jail rather than the other way around, usually. So I think because of what what precedes him and no doubt what will what will happen the rest of the season, he'll more than make up for that kind of error, but it is one of those that you kind of wonder how it happens. You know, it's the same when strikers... Um, miss bizarre chances, which uh, another game yesterday was a, a good example of that with a certain expensive Spaniard. So uh, I thought that uh, at half time, I thought McCoy's half time team talk must have been a belter because the Rangers came out in the second half and, and it seemed to be almost instantly. Either that or Lennon's was just really bad. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, but Davis hit the bar pretty much straight away. And that really set the tone for the half. I think it was, was Jelovic. Was it he scored to make it two each? How many pints did you had? Did <laughs> 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 even know who scored? Well, <laughs> it's, it was it was Jelovic who scored yeah. the downward header to make it two-two. Yeah. To, to be fair, didn't um, didn't Lafferty score first? Is it disallowed one? Was that to make was that to make it two each or was that uh, possibly uh, goes? I can't remember now. Three. I might have been going to go three two, was it? That was when Papatch Papatch was the one that was offside and well it's debatable whether uh, Lafferty was or not. I think Lafferty was onside. It's one of those that uh, the, the the active inactive thing is quite difficult at times. I think it was a legitimate goal, no doubt about it, but I think people are quite harsh on linesmen at the time because all they'll be looking at is down a line and they'll see coloured shirts ahead or behind defenders. And I think it's very easy to see, oh, someone's ahead. And obviously, the man offside was having no influence at all. But at times, I've seen players classed as inactive. But I can see them drawing defenders out. 
And yep. Yep. sometimes just because you don't touch the ball or it's not you who scores, it doesn't mean you're inactive. You know, often you see them stand in front of the keeper and that's class as being active. So if you make a run at the back post and you draw two defenders out and then you're offside and they play it to the other player who runs through and scores and was onside, surely then that's active. In this case, no, it's not. It should have been a goal, no doubt about it. But I can see sometimes why linesmen, it can be hard to see who's active, who's inactive from away across the line. All they see is there's a line, who's in front, who's behind. And it can be difficult. But uh, obviously because of the fact that Rangers went on and won, and I think deservedly won, that that sort of thing gets kind of brushed under the carpet a bit. No one kind of really worries about it. I think if it had ended 2-1 Celtic or it had ended 2-2, maybe it wouldn't have been the case so much. But you're right, I think McCoy's proved a lot of doubters wrong. We don't know what he said at halftime, but I didn't get to see the game at the time I was at work, so I was listening to it. It sounded reasonably even. It didn't sound like maybe Celtic deserved the lead at halftime, but it kind of seemed quite a balanced match. In the second half, Celtic just seemed to capitulate and Rangers took control. And as you... Well, remember from last week, I am heavily backed Celtic, so I was certainly one who was proven wrong drastically by McCoyston Rangers in the second half. And I think overall, you're right, it sounded like a very entertaining match. Um, from the highlights, it looked like a very entertaining match and a good advert for Scottish football, bar the kind of horrific McGregor mistake. There was some very good, good quality goals. The first goal from Rangers, although Kelvin Wilson won't want to see it again, Great finish by Naismith, who's started the season really well. The Celtic goal, I thought, was really well taken. I have to say, Brown, who divides opinion, to, to say the least, among a lot of people, yeah. especially Celtic fans, I thought he was fantastic for that goal. It was almost um, reminded me a bit of the old Ronaldinho trick to, to yeah, not, I was to thinking not, to not that, look yeah. where you're passing. And I th- it's not an easy thing to do, you know, not to not look where you're passing and to be able to play it so accurately. And Hooper's finish, I thought, was really really excellently, the, the way he curled it just around McGregor's kind of hands, it almost, at first, you kind of had to glance at it as, why did McGregor not save it? But when you saw the angle on the replay, it was just such a good finish, he just kind of placed it and managed to kind of bend it around his grasp into the corner. So a couple of good quality goals, and overall, I think I think you, the, the telling part of a derby, especially like an old firm derby, is afterwards, I think the reaction of a lot of people on the forum, the Celtic fans... I think most were kind of accepting and very kind of humble in defeat. And I think if when the Celtic fans are coming out and saying we didn't deserve it today, Rangers were just a far better team, I think that really does speak kind of volumes for how well Rangers played. And I think they surprised a lot of people. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think like you guys are saying, the first half for me was was reasonably itchy peachy. Couple of smashing goals. I mean, the Hooper goal, um, to already said that's that's as good a goal I think as you'll see. Um, certainly in the next few months in the season it's, it's, it's the ability to get that sort of movement in the ball without actually thumping it because um, like you I thought he'd maybe slotted it past the post but when you see it from, from behind the goals there's, there's a fair bit of movement in the goal, on the um, ball as well second half though I thought there was only there was only one side in it Rangers come out and I think from the get go really um, really took the game to Celtic and, and just the sheer amount of uh, possession and pressure that they had obviously paid dividends for them. I know, I mean, Celtic at the post-second half as well, so if that one goes in, maybe changes the game slightly, but I think over the, over the course of the 90 minutes, um, Rangers probably deserved, their, probably deserved their victory. I mean, the sending off as well, you can have a wee look at that, but to be honest, I think the game was maybe, was maybe gone by that stage as well. So um, I think it was one of these games for Rangers that given, the, given all the off-field nonsense for the last few weeks, they really had to turn up and put a performance in getting the three points as a bonus as well, but I think they were under um, quite a lot of pressure. McCoyst as well, being his first old firm game in charge, he's, he's going to want to go off to, to win and start as well. So, um, yeah, great victory for them against a, against what is a probably an informed Celtic team at the moment as well. Although, I think um, for me that the Celtic midfield um, yesterday maybe didn't, um, maybe didn't do enough. In terms of in terms of going forward and attacking football, Scott Brown looks as though he's still um, he's still maybe not 100% fit. Although he did he, he played a great ball for the um, for the goal. So I think uh, I think Lennon will be a wee bit maybe a wee bit concerned. He's maybe not got the attacking options in midfield that perhaps he would like to see in his side. But to be honest, the majority of other sides in the SPL they're probably going to do enough 
um, to get past. But as we all know, it's, it's sometimes these old firm games that, that make or break their season. So I think he might be, be looking elsewhere for some attacking options. I've heard that from, um, it was kind of my opinion. I, I was speaking to one of my friends, a Celtic fan, who, who was reiterating the same thing, saying that, you know, they've got a good plan A, Lennon, and it's all well and good. They kind of sets them out to play some decent football. And when it's working, I think they'll destroy they'll destroy a lot of teams in the SPL and maybe more so than Rangers, you know, the way they took apart your team, Motherwell. Mm. Um, I think when we played some minute at times, they played some really good stuff. And I think throughout the season, Celtic are going to put a lot of goals past a lot of teams, but he doesn't seem to have a plan B a lot of the time. Um, if a team's mixing up or if it's Rangers they're playing where they're not going to get so much of the ball, he doesn't seem to have so many kind of options. And I, I've said last season when they were on a great run and they came at Tynecastle, they'd put nine past Aberdeen a week before. And at the time, we won't play like that now, which will probably mean that we won't take anything off Celtic this season. By the time we had Jeffries, and we just kind of ruffled them up, got in about them, had Kyle up there, got him in about um, Mostorovic, and they just couldn't handle us at all. The whole game, we just got right in, tight pitch, closed them down, didn't give them time on the ball. And suddenly they just looked, like a completely different team and it's happened a couple of times you know in the old firm especially and obviously it won't happen much to be honest that was Hearts playing at their best you know as we saw last season the next game at Tynecastle Celtic completely took us apart and it'll happen against most teams in the league but as Greg just pointed out the league is that sort of league that they'll get most points and it's similar in maybe leagues like Spain as well where Real Madrid will well they got beat this weekend, but generally will destroy everyone. But the problem is they'll lose the games to Barcelona, which are the ones that end up deciding the league. So, yeah, the old firm can be decisive. Although, yep, last season Celtic had the slight edge. So, it's not too. It's not. It's too early to kind of. I think we press any panic buttons, but there's there's certainly seems to be. I think maybe problems for Celtic in terms of the kind of the attitude and what how Lennon can get these players kind of playing, approaching these sort of games, because it's these games which could prove to win or lose the title, because generally there's not a lot in it these days, come kind of May. I think I think the sign of a, a, sign of a good manager or a great manager is somebody that can that can change um, the formation or change their tactics midway, midway through the game. And I might be touching this when we talk about the Motherwell game, but um, for me it sort of struck me. I, I don't know what options Lennon had in the bench yesterday, but and certainly as the second half wore on, um, Rangers were getting more and more possession. And it looked as though unless something was going to change in terms of um, a tactical point of view, it looked as though the game was only going to go in one way, and that's that's how it ended up. Well, he had on the bench, he had Commons, who, well, he's maybe not done so well this season, but last season, I think, especially for the time he was there, he seemed to be scoring a goal a game. And it was was the standout player for me. There's a bit of yeah. um, there's a bit of controversy at the moment about Commons because Lennon said after the game that he was he was injured, and um, Commons tweeted saying he was fit. He doesn't know why he wasn't picked, but he then went on and said, "I'm going to work at getting back in." But there's a bit of sort of well, Lennon saying one thing, Commons is saying another. Lennon saying he he was injured, wasn't fit enough to. Being the team, Combs is saying he was fit. He doesn't know why he wasn't picked. Um, there's a lot of people on about he's carrying a bit of weight because I know that some clubs, well, a lot of kind of top end clubs are quite strict about kind of you know fat to you know how much fat you're carrying in terms of your body weight. Um, and he maybe looks like again not fat in general average person terms, but in terms of a top athlete terms. He maybe is kind of a bit, which could be part part why he's not in. I've not seen much of the season, to be honest. I've not watched a lot of full Celtic games, and when I have been watching them, he's not been on the park. So I couldn't comment myself, but that's just what I've been hearing from certain circles. That Yeah. I heard the rumour just um, last week or so from, from a guy who was a Celtic supporter, and they'd said that um, during the summer, Commons had spent quite a lot of time in the gym, bulking up a wee bit. And it's it's possibly that which is which is adding to his overall bulk, which is maybe hitting his um his general his general match fitness because he is carrying that wee bit more um, yeah. weight in terms of muscle mass. But I, I don't know whether that's the case or not. But certainly last season he was he was one of these guys that looked like you know almost the the first name in the team sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for him to have such a, a sort of a fall from grace, if you like, you, you kind of wonder 
especially given the injury thing and the fact that he tweeted, I think, on Sunday night that he was he was available for a game and he was fit and whatnot. You wonder if there's maybe something else going on behind the scenes. But he's certainly a player that when he's that when he's fit and when he's motivated and, and doing what he can do, he's 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 the type of guy you would have in your, your side every day of the week. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think a uh, follow on the Twitter incident. He's he's since come out and and tweeted saying that he's he's going to be leaving Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so I, think, I think somebody's had a word in his ear. The problem is, it's not so much if someone, you know, it's no secret sometimes players are carrying a bit of weight for whatever reason, whether they've been injured or, like you say, maybe he's actually just bulked up. I don't think people are going to be an outcry if Lennon just said, like, he's kind of, he's got a bit bigger, his match fitness is a bit short just now, which is why we're not including him, but, you know, he's working at getting back in. You know, I don't think people are going to be like, that's just if that's the case, and why not say it? Why say he's injured, yeah. and then he comes out and says I'm not injured? It just say it. It seems just it, it almost seems like there's a fallout, and I think a lot of Celtic fans are like always oh, there's some friction between them now, which might not be the case. I don't know why people can't be honest. If you know, unless it's a Gary O'Connor, and you're trying to cover up the fact he's suspended for. Um, <laughs> certain substance abuses. Which, I like uh, how you slipped that in the conversation. <laughs> just, no reason at all. It's just, this the certain incident at Birmingham, which Alex McLeish, yeah, yeah. If anyone watched the dispatches show the other week, they'll know what I'm talking about. McLeish was just equally as, as culpable of that. It was a total an interview he gave where he said something about the biggins going for a for a knee operation or something. Just a total yeah. barefaced lie, you know. I think uh, I'm not I'm not McLeish's biggest fan as it is, but I thought he just made himself look like a total a total clown doing that. Is that going to be like a little message now? We're going to say to players, ah, Ian Black's away for a knee operation. And <laughs> Every weekend, it's like, I have you got any, um, I need a knee operation. You got any of that, uh, those, that stuff I have for my, my geek, you know? After the toilets for a knee operation, about half 12 at night. I've had, oh, mate, I've had some weekend, three knee operations, eh? Friday, <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> That's how we'll start speaking, you know? So if, maybe, if, is Gary O'Connor on Twitter, you know, if he's, we see him tweeting back and forth to people about knee operations. Maybe that's his secret, his little secret way of talking about it. Am I going to have to put this as the title of the podcast? What? <laughs> SPL and drug slang. <laughs> um, one thing I was about to say there, one stat which was actually, it was retweeted by Derek Ray from someone else, which is how I, where I saw it from. Which... Oh, Derek Ray again. All we hear about is Derek Ray in this podcast. Shh. <laughs> um, was, well, the, the stat was that Celtic haven't won an old firm derby after losing the first goal in the league since 1988. And I just, it sounded, I couldn't believe that. Not since going behind, but since if they've lost the first, losing the first goal in a league old firm derby, they've not won since 1988. And I, I've not, I couldn't be bothered checking it, to be honest. I didn't care enough. But um, <laughs> I was hoping maybe someone listening could go and double check it. It just it sounded too it sounded too much to. Yeah, that is a lot of games. But, you know, that's that's over two decades. You know, that's yeah, that's almost my lifetime. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly in the Sky commentary, the the, the, the guy that does the is it Ian Crocker that yeah, does Crocker. the commentary. He he certainly made some some mention of that as well but I, I, the fact 1988 was incredible if it's that long you Ian know? Crocker would have just been reading Derek Ray's tweets as well yeah, so no doubt, it's no probably doubt. from the same for the same source I was going to I was going to look at a couple of the reactions um, as I was saying on the forum it's quite a sort of a, a very accepting sort of reaction from the Celtic fans uh, John A. Robb was saying uh, deserve win for Rangers Celtic from the equaliser at half-time lead were the better team. The second half, we got a doing. That said, we could have went 3-2 up with Leuven's header. Mulgrew was rash, had to be 100%, and he wasn't. Kelvin Wilson had an absolute nightmare, closely followed by Hooper, despite a great goal, Key and El Kaduri. Celtic had so many misplaced passes, I lost count. And from one of them, Rangers got the third. Hooper trying to find Brown deep in the Rangers' half. Bad pass, 20 seconds later, 3 to Rangers. The Rangers' second was bound to happen. We can't defend set pieces. No excuse for Celtic. Poor performance and punished accordingly. Um, so, kind of quite accepting of that. And it, we also we actually forgot to mention that, that the red card, which I, I think this, I don't think anyone could really argue, was just two bookings. I don't think there was much kind of debate about yeah. it. Silly... I thought the the first one. I thought maybe on a on a bad day. I thought you could get a red card for that. Uh, I just think it was just very very late. But but yeah, you got the yellow card there. I thought that 
there was a couple of times I did I did spot him the, the referee having a word with him and I'm not sure whether the second one the referee thought it was an outright yellow or he was maybe totting up mm-hmm. all the times he'd spoke to him but yeah I, I don't think Mulgrew will, will be any there'll be any complaints from him it sounded like it was a kind of an accident waiting to happen in the kind of midfield area and some of these players seem to think that's the best way to approach the old firm is to run around and throw yourself into challenges but you know, I think Scott Brown's a testament to being that is not the best way to play football. Um, Donald, yeah. Donald mentioned men against boys, you know, B-H-O-Y-S, as they like to say. Celtic were lucky to get away with 4-2. And um, <clears throat> Japester mentions that's, in very big letters, that's why we are champions. Um, a totally different performance from the Jars in the second half. Took charge of the game. Shut down Celtic a lot better in boss game in all areas. We wild improved 100%. And he must know himself he's capable of beating men, hitting the byline and delivering a decent cross. And that's another point there that I think they touched on in the radio commentary afterwards that Wilde apparently looked like a different player the second half. Um, oh yeah, I thought he was I thought he was really poor in the first. I thought he he looked very reluctant to, to run down the line. And when he did, he he often hit an early cross that just seemed to go into the stand. I was very disappointed with him and I probably would have taken him off at half time. If if I was manager, but well, clearly I'm not, and clearly McCoy knows more than me, because a wee quiet word in his ear, and he came out, and especially near the end, he was just stretching them so much. Yeah, that's, that's the thing with younger players, though, isn't it? Sometimes it just takes a wee word in your ear at half time to um, to reassure you you're doing the right things and calm down a wee bit. But I mean, like all these players, they need to be. It's really, I think it's a really positive thing for Scotland that we're seeing these guys crop up in old firm games, high pressure games with big stakes. You know, they're not being chucked in against breaking in the cup during the week. And I think, you know, f- for these guys to go on and develop, develop their career and their ability, they've got to be chucked in at a high level. So let's, let's hope Craig Levine was watching at the weekend as well and he, he takes note and starts to include. I think he was. include these players in the, in the national side. You know, these guys are clearly good enough I mean, you, you go and play in an old firm game, that's equally as, 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 um, as high pressured as any national game we'll find coming up any time soon. And the, yeah, the boys yep. cope with it, so come on, get them in the, get them in the full squad. And, and there's going to be inconsistency with younger players. It's, it's always going to be the case. And I think it's <clears throat> important that, you know, that he can he can come out the second half. And, you know, that's, it's always, I think it's always the biggest test of teams and players. It's not when things are going well and it's easy and you're winning. It's, you know, when you get a knock, when, you know, when a keeper makes a howler, when a striker misses a big chance or when a player's not playing so well is how do they pick themselves up? And second half, he obviously did that and he was kind of integral to Rangers win. And another kind of, another good post from a Celtic fan after a grumpy old man, um, got to say that in the second half performance Rangers deserved their victory too many of the Celtic players didn't perform and there can't be any complaints about the sending off a good three three points for the home side but there's still a long way to go which of course yep there's a long way to go in the league but some more I think as I said before I think it was uh, summed up I was going to read Charlie Boy's post after that in regards to um, Samaras but there was an expletive in there that I can't say but let's say <laughs> He was telling him to to leave in a way that isn't quite as polite as that. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was listening to the Clyde One phone in earlier tonight, and there's a lot of doom and. <laughs> oh, I, I, I like I like hearing the the, the rants and so on. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of negativity from the the Celtic fans, which, well, to be honest, I, I'm not so sure that I back that because well. Rangers were maybe the better team in the second half, but if Leuven's had scored, that would have made it three-two and a, a totally different game. They could have went on to to win that. They could have, they maybe could have uh, had a, a draw at minimum. But they were talking about how bad the defence was, and Hugh Evans mentioned a golden era, and that, that's a quote. He mentioned a golden era of Caldwell and McManus at the back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think I'd ever hear that. Yeah, perhaps perhaps gold in the same way as a golden shower. I think that's that's probably <laughs> he's, he's trying to get out of there because those two were a were a disaster. They were an accident waiting to happen. I from never, what I remember, I never thought the the subject of a golden shower would come up <laughs> on our podcast. I really didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's say about that. I've got, yeah. I've got some horrific images in my head. Now. 
<laughs> All right. Anyway, so I think uh, well that would kind of move on quite aptly to some of the defending that I, I know Craig was dying to to speak about in terms of marking in the game. Oh, yeah, that's a seamless link. Uh, yeah, during the, for the second goal for Jelovic's header, uh, I noticed that the Celtic defence were lining up uh, in a zonal marking formation, uh, much as they did against Atletico Madrid. And they lost a very similar goal in that game as well, with Leuven's basically a, a, well, appearing out of position and scrabbling to get out far enough to the penalty spot and just not making it in time and f- fair enough jumping for the ball, but it just w- it just wasn't comfortable. And in the Rangers game, Jelovic scored with his header in the Atletico Madrid game. They scored with a header. So I just I opened up a a discussion on the forum about zonal marking and really asked whether people were for it, people were against it and, and really any comments that they had. And as well, to start off, uh, Greg, what, what's your thinking on zonal marking? I can't, um, I've got to be honest with you, I, I, these sort of things I don't, I don't pay a great deal of attention to. Um, up at Motherwell, it seems to be the case of, uh, you know, the ball comes into the box, Craig will, Craig will try and put his head on it, generally miss it. It'll fault with Stevie Hamill or somebody else, and they'll they'll kick it over his stand on the school. So there there doesn't seem to be a great deal of um, a great deal of thought given to systems like that. I'm I'm not a big fan of it in theory. I'd much rather I'd much rather see players picking up picking up individual men. But I mean, there's enough there's enough teams throughout Europe and the world that, um, that try and that try and implement this system. So it obviously works for some, but I think um, I think you have to have a really disciplined uh, back four and, and midfield. To allow that to happen, so you know, for me, I prefer to see this sort of man-for-man option. Then you don't get the, you know, the point that staring at each other as somebody goes into the back post and scores. But to each their own, you know. I think the problem, the problem with zonal, I think, is players get a run-up at you, which is such a big thing when attacking a corner. You know, if you, even if you're six-five, if if you if you're standing, if you're if you're stationary, and the and the when the corner comes in. And the player is running at you and gets a run and jump, and it it gives him a, a huge advantage over you. And you've got to, from a standing position, try and judge that. And I think that's really difficult. Um, it's 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 a difficult one because it gets highlighted mainly when it doesn't work. Um, so it's it's hard because sometimes you don't even really think about it until you see it not working. You know, there's so many times when you see teams defending corners and. How many times do we dissect a corner when it's just headed away? You don't, you don't really have a second thought about it. What you do notice is when there's a goal from it. Um, man marking itself has its problems. I think uh, Levine on sports side. I don't want to steal any of. I know Craig has some things about Levine he wants to talk about, but he was talking about getting blocked off, which I presume he means that they can move, they can make the run and you can get hit, you can get blocked behind someone else. I, I wasn't quite sure what he was meaning by that at the time. <clears throat> no, yeah, I, and, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I seen that. that. That was one of the reasons that I brought up the, the zonal markings because Levine was on sports scene and he highlighted the, the Celtic and it reminded me also of the Atletico Madrid, which was, well, it was, as I mentioned, it was Leuven's again, who he seemed to, starting position seemed to be in the six-yard line and he just didn't make it out to the penalty spot. But but yeah, Levine mentioned that they can easily get blocked, and I don't know. Was he meaning that the defenders block themselves? Did they mean that the attackers know to to make certain runs to really make the defenders run into each other? I'm not really sure. I, I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure either. But the only thing I could think of was that he means that if you're following a man and you're running about with him, you know, you can get blocked somewhere else, so they can get in front. Of, you know, because you, you're moving around in there. You know, I was a I was a centre back a lot myself, not in any sort of great shake. But and you know, that's what the strikers will do. They'll move around, they'll run to the near post, and they'll run back, and they'll keep moving around, and you're following them. The one problem with man marking, which also get highlighted, is people forget to look at the ball. Um, and I've been guilty of that as a defender, and I see lots of defenders who are very guilty of it. Uh, in fact, our uh, skipper down Tynecastle way has been notoriously bad for 
forgetting that man marking is also involved stopping them getting the ball as opposed to stopping them going anywhere. And, you know, if people really followed the law, then Zalukas would give away about 15 penalties a season. Defenders do sometimes get sucked into sticking with a man, just looking at them, trying to block them off, and, you know, they forget to look where the ball's going and attacking the ball. I can see that as one problem. It does depend who you're coming up against. I think one person um, said that. I think it was Robo Boy who said it very much depends on the team you're defending against, which is a good point. I did bring up on, I don't know if anyone even replied to it, but I don't know if you remember the old Aberdeen corner tactic from, must have been only about seven or eight years ago, when the whole, well, everyone, about seven or eight of them who were attacking the corner would all st- stay outside the box. Oh, yeah. And they, would jog, and they would yep. jog around, like all together in a little group, they would jog around the edge of the box. And then as the corner would come in, they'd all rush into the box and... It was it was a bit ridiculous at times to watch, and it was a bit silly when it didn't work. But at the same time, I, I've seen it work a couple of times. I was watching some of the archive footage because I'm sad like that sometimes. And um, it was a goal from Aberdeen, an Aberdeen corner against Hearts, actually, and it was with that old corner tactic. It's very hard to pick people up if they do that because yeah. you've got a bunch of players. What do you do? Do you go out the box with them and you've got a whole empty box to attack? Do you have a man, but you wait for him to come in at you? Or do you stay in a zonal position and then you've got all these players sort of charging into you, jumping up? Because that's the one thing, that's the one thing I don't like about zonal especially, is that you've got all these players who have the advantage of attacking the ball, whereas you're kind of standing still. And it's so easy to lose out in the air no matter how big yeah. to hire you, yeah. because you're in a standing position. It's, it's not rocket science. If you're in a standing position, it's harder to get that sort of lift and kind of pace behind it. When you, than when you're running in at full pelt and you can jump and attack the ball. It's a hard one. I think both both forms of marking will get criticised. Both will get praised in certain forms. It depends how good your defenders are at that system. It depends who you're playing against. Personally, if I was a manager, I'd always go man-to-man because it's the sort of tried and tested, but I can see its flaws and I can see how it can get taken advantage of by certain players. I yeah. want to. Uh, I was going to read some comments on the the forum. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Robo Boy said it very much depends on the team you're defending against. A uh, lorry with uh, an expletive that I can't read. <laughs> Me. All I <laughs> yeah. said was Levine's all for it, so it must be not very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Johnny Rob says he I don't understand it Craig and if it's what Celtic are trying then totally against you have to mark a man follow him and get to the ball first whilst always thinking that regardless of what you do your teammate has read it too and moved into position there was Japester says zonal marking is alright if your players know what they're doing and they're capable I think that's a, a pretty key thing because well I think zonal marking seems fairly simplistic if you are telling a guy look this is your zone command it nobody else is going to do it it's your job alone but the thing I is think... the problem is I mean the way I'd look at it I would if when I was a defender not that we ever tried zonal marking and if I'd imagine for a defender I liked man marking because right Laurie get on your number nine that's your man and you stay with him and you kept your eye on the ball and basically all you did was you ran with him and you attack the ball no matter you know mm-hmm. if it ended up miles at the back post then it didn't matter because you'd done your job it wasn't going near him whereas if you're zonal to me sometimes it looks like you're not sure you know if the ball's coming in right in the middle there's a lot of players in there you're like right do I attack this or do I wait till the guy behind me or do, is he going to attack it do I move four yards out of position to attack it or is that me leaving my zone or you know how far out of my position do I go to attack it because it's unlikely the ball's going to fall dead on your head you know you're gonna have to move so you know see my reaction to to being a defender would be if the ball's coming in go for the ball go for the and you know if you're with your man you form to the near post if the ball comes near post you keep with him and you attack the ball where he's going if you run the near post and he runs with him and the ball goes to the back post it doesn't matter you know you've got to you know that if if the ball's coming even anywhere near where your man is and you're attacking the ball if it ends up where a couple of people go for it Generally, it'll mean that someone gets the ball away. It's it's sometimes a bit of a stramash, as they like to say, but I, there's just this too much sort of grey area where how far how how far do I leave my position to attack the ball? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have four or five players running to attack it, and they'll be going for the ball. 
So you know that someone's bound to be getting onto it. So there's not really an option just to leave it, is there? So I don't know. If it works, <clears throat> I think you have to be a good defender and you have to have defenders that are going to attack the ball. I think that's the important thing. I think the problem is, which I, I think with Celtic, I think it was, <clears throat> I think that corner was a good example of how it doesn't work simply because Jelovic was attacking the ball, whereas I think it was Leuven's and a couple more were coming back out of their position, which is always harder then, whereas he was running into it. If they were with him, they'd be running to the ball with him, surely. And plus, I mean, I don't want to promote fouling, but you, you can put players off again. I've, I've had to mark bigger guys than me, and I knew that I wasn't going to beat them in the air. So, you know, you do your best to make sure that they don't get... Much <laughs> they don't get much chance to get on the end of it, and you can do your best without fouling, or if you're Salyukas, just foul them and hope that they don't get a penalty. Nah, it's just, it's just a difficult thing to get right, I think. And if you've got, and if you got a back four that are used to playing it, and you can, you know, you can sort of train in that on that behalf, and that's the that's the sort of culture in your defence. Then it's it's maybe achievable. But I think I think the stakes are high for when it goes wrong because, you know, you, you hear the commentary on the TV and that. Um, that classic phrase, free header, and you can just imagine the ball coming in and, you know, neither defender goes for it. Centre forward goes in and they've got, they've got a free header. Whereas if you go that, if you go man to man, then there should be some, okay, they might lose a defender, but there should at least be some sort of defence put into them getting getting a free header on it. And I think, I mean, I think football players are pretty daft as it is. And, you know, I'm just not sure that, especially in, in like the SPL and the SPL level, We've really got players that are, are technically of a high enough standard to sort of be confident enough to play that system. I think it just goes back to the sort of basics that you were taught, you know, when you played at school level, and that was, you know, you pick up your man. The two biggest centre-halves pick up the centre-forwards and everybody gets assigned a man, and it's nice and simple from that point of view. You only have to look over, look after one person, whereas the zonal thing, there's not really any responsibility. It's kind of a collective, and I think, I think the stakes are too high for that to go wrong, so... Okay, well, moving on from the old firm and uh, talk of zonal marketing, I think we move on quickly to one of the topics that I brought up last week, which was sibling rivalries, which was um, following on from the Hibs Aberdeen game last weekend, where the Osborne brothers, Isaac and Isaiah, came face to face in the respective midfields of each team, and we were talking about other sibling rivalries. We've got a few contributions from the forum. Grumpy old man saying uh, Tom and Colin McAdam must have must have faced each other on opposite, opposing sides of the old firm on a couple of occasions. Um, I'm presuming that the fact I don't recognise those names or they're, they're before my time. Um, John A. Robb uh, had a couple. He said the Gallagher brothers in a charity boxing match would be good. And uh, even then, there's a bit of sibling rivalries with uh, Nolan Liam generally these days. I don't think they've spoken for quite some time since the, the last breakup. Yeah, I think there's going to be legal action heading a oh, can't remember what direction it was. I think it was Noel's direction. Yeah, uh, I think I think he bottled it though and they retracted his his allegations. I think the, the lawyer's letter was enough for him to um, retract what he had uh, insinuated. Yeah, but then there was that. It was all to do with the. Uh, Liam pulling out of a gig due to sure. supposed was it laryngitis, but then he was pictured drinking the night before. Do you think he was going for a knee operation? Like <laughs> <laughs> that was his excuse. Well, it's, it's, it is a good excuse. It works apparently, <laughs> unless dispatches. Aye, uh, that'll, that'll be the next catch one. Up, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Johnny Rob had a few actually. He also, he, well, he asked, did Tommy McLean and Jim McLean face each other as players or managers? Uh, yeah, didn't they? Um... 1991 Cup final. Oh, they were um, there opposite dugouts. There you go. Then I was, I was, I was kind of quite young then, so I was. Aye, because Greg's one. a lot <laughs> older than us. That's Aye, right. he'll, he'll remember. I remember. I remember these times, lads. Yeah, <laughs> Faced off, fa- off in the uh, the dugouts. Um, it was, it was uh, oddly enough, it was. I think it was like maybe four or five days after that their father passed away, so there was extra. Um, extra emotional attachment to that one, but yep, McLean's have faced off. There you go. Um, the Williams sisters in tennis. This is still Johnny Robb. Gary and Phil Neville competing for the same position at Man United and opposing players when Phil went to Everton. And then he said Neville Neville must have hated that. Um, but Brilliant name. Neville Neville, I know. I do you not know, think it's it seems kind of 
lacking imagination when people name their their offspring just the you know a first name that's same as a second name. I knew someone called my mate's brother was called Scott Scott, and it just it just makes people sound like they've got it just makes people sound like got a stutter. Scott Scott, yeah. what? See, <laughs> see, whenever they're on the on the phone to a call center, I say so. Uh, what's your what's your surname? Say Scott. What's your first name, Scott? No, 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 no. What's your first name, Scott? What's your surname, Scott? <laughs> it's just back and forward. Well, we got Bobby and Jack Charlton, um, Fabio and Raphael, and then he goes, geez, United have a thing about brothers, eh? And they do a bit. John and Justin Fashnu, and then the final one was a forum reference in Hazer and Cal in a debating contest. <laughs> if people don't know who in the forum, then it'll mean nothing to them. But uh, uh, JB came in with the, is it the Batch, the Batch Up Brothers? Stephen and Graham play. I I have no idea about rugby, no. so is that how you say it? The batch. I'm not a rugby man myself. The brothers Stephen and Graham played against each other in Rugby World Cup for Western Samoa and New Zealand once, I think. I don't know if Greg knows anything about rugby. If he can enlighten us, I don't. <laughs> not a big, not, not a big rugby man, I'm afraid, lads. No. Uh, none of that egg chasing. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, who else have we got? Um, you mentioned the De Boers, Craig. Yeah, my problem was uh, I, I kind of misunderstood it, and I just started rhyming off brothers that have played together. Aye. Well, I did, I did, I did want to put sibling rivalry. So the one thing I did say I would accept would maybe be players who played in the same position, like the Nevilles, maybe like the Raphael brothers when they're competing for a position. Um, yeah, I don't know if the De Boers ever ever clashed in that respect. Um, I mentioned, was it the Norwegian twins at Rangers? But again, I don't think they'll be competing for the same position. I think they're defenders, but I think one's a left-back and one's centre. Uh, there is brothers, maybe even twins at Celtic. But again, I'm not sure if it's the same position. Yeah, I'm not very good at this one, Laurie. I think I misunderstood it. <laughs> well, Sheeptastic suggested a couple, which I'd not been aware of. There was one he said that... Um, don't know uh, how many people have heard of these guys, but debates between Christopher and Peter Hitchens, particularly on God, are very interesting. They're on YouTube, so I've not looked myself yet. But I might do. So there's one for you. Christopher and Peter Hitchens looking up their debates on YouTube. He also then suggested uh, uh, a really good example of sibling rivalries with a sports connection is Rudolf and Adolf Dassler, the former founding the sports group Puma and the latter known for the sports company Adidas. And then he said there was certainly no love lost between these two. Check it out on Wikipedia. So a couple of quite good ones for people to look up there. That was by Sheeptastic suggesting those. And then um, JB also mentioned Ronald and Erwin Kuman. And then Craig said, I've never heard of Erwin. <laughs> no, I hadn't. I... No, I, I knew he had a brother. I, I, I knew he had a brother who'd played as well. I couldn't have told you much more about him because, again, you know, we're quite youthful, Craig, so we, we, we wouldn't have remembered them too much. I do remember Ronald Koeman quite well. All right, maybe so you're just stupid then. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was that was uh, about the extent of them. So I've a good few suggestions. Anyone have anything yeah. to add now? Well, the only the only other ones that, um, and again, I'm not sure whether they played against each other, but you had the um, you had the two boys at Aberdeen, the young um, twins. Were they twins? Were they brothers? Didn't one of them go to? Did the one go to Dunfermline? I'm not sure whether they actually played each other. I think they were just brothers. I think one was slightly older than the other, so I don't think they were twins. But yeah, yeah they kind of look, kind of looked similar. But then they looked similar. Probably, um, probably more to do with being for Aberdeen than anything else. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the Klitschko brothers in the boxing. The other one I can think of, although they famously, they famously stated that they won't fight each other. Yeah. But I guess if Sky come up with enough money, they'll probably they'll probably knock seven bells out of each other for a few million pounds. And uh, similar to Craig, the only other one that I had was um, not so much a rivalry, but when, when Billy Davis was in charge at Motherwell, he, he signed his brother, John Davies. And, um, he was I've rubbish, wasn't he? Oh, he was, he was appalling. And I've never known a player to get such a hard time from the uh, from the home support as, as poor John Davies got. I don't, I don't even think it lasted a season until he was uh, he was off the payroll again. So, uh, Billy... Be Billy keeping it in the family there, I think. In terms of uh, seamless and moving on, um, Motherwell and awful. Should we move on to last week's? Uh, <laughs> she must. <laughs> should we move on to last week's SPL games? Well, <laughs> see, I was speaking about Motherwell. 
we as well start there because I think it was undoubtedly the the shock result of the weekend. Oh, definitely. Yep. Um, I think uh, I think it's probably put one or two coupons down, Mullen um, included. It's one of these. I was talking to a couple of guys in the pub after the game, and you know sometimes you can come out a game and there's there's one or two positives to take from it. You can say, well, so and so looked okay, or such and such did all right, but. Uh, to a man, the Motherwell team on, on Saturday were just um, diabolical. It's, right. the, it's the worst I've seen them in a, a long time. The first half was appalling, and everybody was sort of saying, well, at least the second half they won't be as bad. The second half they were even worse. There were some awful and, uh, goals conceded there. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, the, the first one was an OG. The second one, um, Stevie Hamill decided to pass it across the um, the back of the defence. That was a nice assist, yeah. Oh, I tell you, the third one, um, Craig's favourite player, I think it was... Uh, Sandaza managed to managed to run into the box and a wee bit of trickery before it fell to um to one of the other forwards to, to stick it away. But it's it's a telling one for Motherwell because that was a that was a St Johnson side that turns up with a with a set game plan. They, they flooded the midfield, they, they they chased everyone down, they harassed us, and uh, we we just didn't look as though we were interested at that point. Uh, the boy the boy Humphrey in the wing got a couple of a couple of kicks early on. Uh, I think he decided he didn't fancy. Then they fancy playing the rest of the game as well. But coming back to what we spoke about earlier with the um, with the, with the old firm game and, and Lennox, Lennox possible reluctance to change things, I think McCall was was guilty of that at the weekend as well. After after ten fifteen minutes, it was pretty obvious that you know St Johnson's game plan and we just we just couldn't cope with it in midfield. But instead of maybe changing it around a wee bit, we we persevered until I think it was seventy minutes before he brought the sub on. And by that point, the game was. The game is long gone. So I mean, it's one of these. It's it's a blip, I think. I hope in what is a good start to the season. But it makes uh, tomorrow's game against Hibs a big one for us now as well, because I think everybody's looking for a big performance and a big bounce back from from a side that were really you know playing pretty well for a while. In terms of the predictions, I, well, I think I can't even remember. I think we almost predicted Mother winning. I had two ones. So yeah, well off. We all went for Motherwell. I went for two 0 Greg copied maybe two 0 so we were all wrong. I think uh, the next game I was I was wrong as well. Although I was right for a time, Aberdeen Kilmarnock, until Kelly went and chucked it all away. I think by all accounts, uh, Aberdeen. I said this on the forum before the game. A draw probably wouldn't have been a great result, but the fact they came from two behind, I think they'll probably think of that as quite a positive. The way they've been playing recently to show a bit of kind of a bit of character to come from. Looking like they're out of the game, you know, you don't often think that Aberdeen will score two goals these days. So to come from two behind and get a two-two draw, I think they'll be quite pleased in that. Watch the goal; it just looked like you know pretty bad defending all round again. But I think Kelly have been good this season, so I think that a draw is is good for Aberdeen, especially with the start to the season they've had. I think they they'll just be happy with just continually racking up these points. The, the final score was two each, as you mentioned. Uh, you'd went for a, a 2-0 Kelly victory, went. Laurie, to Kelly. I'd went for a 1-0 Kelly victory, and Greg copied me again, went for a 1-0 <laughs> Kelly victory. Yeah, no, a, a bad weekend was compounded by that Aberdeen result as well. You know, I was, I was disappointed enough getting cuffed by St Johnson, but to see them picking up a point put me in a, in a further bad mood. But just having watched the highlights, the boys' shoes again um, looked as though he had a cracking game, set up the first goal, and I, th- I think he got the second one as well. So he's a, he's a guy that seems to be in fire at the moment. So doing the business for Kilmarnock. Keep it in the family isn't always bad, even if Billy Davis that's got right, it wrong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. What about United Inverness? Uh, did I think did we all get? I think we all got this one right, didn't we? Did we? The result, anyway, not the score. The, the result, yeah. Uh, I think you'd went for a two 0 victory. Yeah. Uh, Greg had went three 0 and I'd went three one. Oh, what? So, oh, fix. Right. Fix. <laughs> See, I can't remember what anyone said apart from my one because I've got it in front of me. But, ah, well, I'll give you that one. Ah, United right. are United are looking. Um, they look they look decent when they're playing well, which sounds stupid, but they just don't. They haven't turned up every week at kind of this season. They've been a bit up and down, but I think they've got a good team in. I think they'll be top six. I can't see United not being top six and. I'd hope that they won't have enough to kind of maybe push us. But they've got some good players there, and I think uh, Levine highlighted it 
on um, the TV last night about Swanson. He is a very good player. It's just keeping him fit and keeping him consistent. He looked uh, he looked excellent yesterday. I was surprised that Levine claimed he's the most talented player that he's ever worked with. Um, he's worked with quite a lot of decent players with the Scotland setup now, but there you go. So yeah, solid win for Dundee United. Looked well deserved, and if they can keep Danny Swanson kind of playing like that, I don't think there's much doubt that they'll be pushing for a European place. So why was Levine not picking him then? Yeah, correct. Injured. Um, he's, he did claim he was about to pick him uh, towards the end of that. I think he maybe was meaning the the rubbish, pointless friendly against uh, the Giants of Faroe Islands, which seemed like a really ridiculously pointless exercise, to be honest, because he played a lot of players who have then never seen the team or been yeah. near it again. But there you go. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. You know, Swanson, another different option. I don't want to get bogged down too much with talking about kind of potential Scottish players again, but he, he is he is a talent. He's he's creative. He's got a good shot on him. He's got a good eye for a pass. So, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't be involved, at least in the squad at some point, for these friendlies, you know. Is that not what friendlies are for? Uh, the the next game, which was the first game of the weekend, which was Dunfermline versus Hibs, with uh, the final score being two each, which was definitely a surprise to me because I, I didn't see Hibbs scoring in this one and I especially didn't see Gary O'Connor coming out after what happened during the week. I didn't see him coming out and scoring, albeit a deflected goal, but he, he still claimed it. He still took his top off to, to reveal his, his handwritten message on his chest, which was something along the lines of only God can judge me, which he wrote in... No, Gary, the courts can judge you too, actually, my friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> they wrote it in a, a pen that was certainly not waterproof. Uh, for as much as I'll, I'll I'll have a wee joke about him, I, I don't think there's any doubt he can still score goals. He's a good player. He's a good striker. If he can, if they can get him fully fit, um, away from all jokes about knee operations, I, I think he could be phenomenal this season. You know, I, I, I can see why O'Connor couldn't score 15, 20 goals. The fact he's already scored, what is it, five? And the fact that he scored five in a team who are struggling as badly as Hibs are, I think that says a lot for him. So, as much as I will have we joke at him, I think he's a great striker and he's always a striker who'll pick up goals, no doubt about it, no matter how badly the team's playing, no matter maybe how much he's lacking in match fitness, he'll always be there to grab a goal. And in the kind of opposite way of the Aberdeen game, where maybe a draw beforehand wouldn't have been great and they came back and so it's not too bad I think Hibs all the way around I think they would have definitely taken a draw at East End before the game but because they were 2 up, suddenly it's turned a bad result and they got booed off by the Hibs fans at the end whereas Dunfermline were kind of delighted because they ended on the front foot um, by all accounts I think Dunfermline deserved at least a draw um, Hibs kind of seemed to hit them on the break for the first one and then again for the second one but Dunfermline showed a lot of kind of steel a lot of character to come back and I think Dunfermline have goals in them what would be the worry for for um, Jim McIntyre is that they seem to leak them very easily. But, again, a decent enough game all round. And I think it's almost unfortunate of Hibs just the fact that they were 2-0 up because otherwise an away draw wouldn't have been such a bad result. But yeah, I had 2-1 Dunfermline, so I was off the mark with that one. Not too far, though. Not too far. Yeah, no, I, th- I think like Kilmarnock, Hibs will be, Hibs will be gutted that they've, um, if you go to away ground and you score two goals. Um, I think you'd be gutted that you've, you've no minds to see that out, especially against a, an Aberdeen and a Dunfermline again. But maybe signs that things are getting better for Hibs too. I mean, at least they've, they've went and got a couple of goals. And Couldn't get any worse, though, to be fair. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> they, they, really have to, they really have to start clutching at straws in terms of the odd point here and there. So that one might prove to be a, a significant one as well. But yeah, like you're saying, Dunfermline um, seem to be suspect, like Inverness are at the moment, in terms of shipping goals. And there's only so many goals you can lose before you start hitting the hitting the wrong end of the table. Should we move on to the big team in Edinburgh now? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, if, if we must. <laughs> have Meadowbank moved back, have they? Uh, no, Livingston. No, not, <laughs> not even Edinburgh. It was just well off the mark. Spartans or something. Um, yeah, Hearts winning 2-0 against St Mirren. I got the deficit right. Got the um, got the scoreline wrong. I had 2-0. Don't know what you guys had. One of you's probably got it right. I think I had hearts. I think I took. Um, no, I think I might have taken a draw actually. Oh, I, did, I took a draw. Aye. Sorry, I forget. Took a one each. Aye, got it. One each. I'd went for 2 1 to hearts. Yeah, I think 
the one thing I was surprised, I listened to the game and I listened, uh, I, I was going to go, but in the end I didn't because, I don't know, just wasn't the mood. Um, I know some support in it. Uh, <laughs> from what I heard, it was very comfortable for Hearts. St Mirren didn't pose an awful lot of a threat. They had a, a couple of wee chances, but it seemed like we were in control most of the game. The commentators on the radio seemed to think it was the least threatening St Mirren had looked this season. And Le- Danny Lennon came out afterwards and I heard him praising a kind of the way we tried to play it. We were trying to just kind of, kind of play the sort of triangles around them, and which is all well and good. I think I like the sort of philosophy Sergio's getting in. We seemed to deserve the win. It was a penalty, which was a definite penalty, an own goal, which was unfortunate, but it was another great ball from Danny Granger, who's got to be up there as one of the signs of the season so far. He's been our player of the season by a mile so far. Um, so yeah, a deserved win. My concern with the way Sergio wants us to play is. Um, I don't know how it's going to fare so much away from home if a team's mixing it up. I don't know if we can dig deep for results so much. I don't know how much he'll want to change that, similar to what we're talking about with Celtic. I think we'll dispatch a lot of teams at home, around us and below us, quite straightforward in that sort of fashion, but I don't know how many points we'll pick up away from home, and I don't know how we'll do against the old firm, which Jeffries was reasonably adept at picking up points against them, and also in getting the results away from home. So we'll see how that goes, but it's still quite early for Sergio, so a straightforward win, nothing too much to shout about, though. I think that, that brings us to the end of the the review of the, the SPL. Aye, we'll have a, 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 wee, a wee look ahead to next week. Just quickly run through the... Give a, give some bad predictions like we usually do. Well, speak for yourself. Ah, you've, you've, been doing quite, you've been doing quite well recently, actually. You've been, you've been ma- making up the ground a bit, have you? Well, you could say that quite well compared to what I was, but I'm definitely not a, a Paul Band. Aye, it's it's, still up there. Yeah. Uh, so I thought the first game, may as well start with the first game of the weekend, which is Dunfermline against Rangers, which is a quarter to one kickoff. And, I, well, I, I can't see past Rangers at all for this Dunfermline. They, they have had a, a fairly decent start to the season. They've definitely surprised me, but... They are losing a lot of goals and Rangers are scoring a lot of goals. So I'm going to go for a 3-0 victory to Rangers. Ditto. Um, yeah, 3-0 Rangers. Just pretty much what you said. They'll be on a high. Dunfermline look pretty dodgy at the back. If Rangers can put four past Celtic, I think they'll put a couple past Dunfermline. Um but yeah, 3-0 is what I'm going for as well. I just think it'll be a quite a straightforward win for Rangers, to be honest. Yeah, I've, I've gone 4-0 um, for Rangers in the predictor, I think. Um, just the way they're playing at the moment, they look as though they've, they've got their tails up a wee bit and coming off the back of a really good result. Um, I think I think they're firmly could be in the wrong end of a sore one on Saturday. So yeah, 4-0 Rangers. The other side of Glasgow, we've got Celtic against Inverness. And... I think Celtic will definitely be looking to bounce back from the defeat of the weekend and what better to, way to do that than to beat a team that have performed fairly poorly this season. So I can't see Inverness scoring at all in this one and I think it's it's going to be a route for Celtic. I'm going to go for a 4-0. See, now I feel like I'm copying you because I've put 4-0 as well. Because I think, I think Celtic will be looking to bounce back. Um I think Inverness are going to struggle this season. I think they're going to be one of the teams down there. They look a bit suspect at the back and they're not scoring off a lot either. Um, to be fair, they put in a decent shift against us the other week at home, but I think away from the Caledonian Stadium, they're not looking like they did last season when they were picking up a lot of points on the road. And I think it'll be a fairly dismal day in Glasgow for Terry Butcher and Co. Yeah, it's a, it's a home win banker for me, that one, I think. Um, I've gone five 0 on the predictor. I think, uh, yeah, I think Inverness are hemorrhaging goals at the back at the moment. They're, I think the goal difference is minus eight or something, which at this stage in the season um, is, is is never a good sign. And I can I can see that easily rising into double figures um, come come their trip to the East End of Glasgow on Saturday. So yeah, five 0 Celtic for me. And the next match up I've got here is Hibs against Dundee United. And although I'm going to predict a, a Gary O'Connor goal because he seems to be on fire despite his team perhaps not being so, 
and I'm going to predict uh, Dundee United score two. So two one to Dundee United. <laughs> this is just getting silly now. <laughs> I've put these scores in. I literally have them on my screen. <laughs> I've got Hibs one, Dundee United two. <laughs> this is just it's just weird. Yeah. So pretty much what you said as well. I think Hibs will be on a bit of downer after losing that two goal lead. United will, on the other hand, be on a bit of an up. I th- I generally, from the top of my head, when I think of United, they always seem to do pretty well at Easter Road. So I fancy a, a decent uh, Dundee United two-one victory as well. Yeah, that's a hat trick then, because I've gone, uh, I've gone two-one United as well. Uh, I think, uh, I think the, the boy Daly for, for Dundee United, I, I, I always thought it's been a cracking player, and he looks as though he's really he's moving off fully fit. He's, he's sticking the goals away for them, and I think they're. Uh, I think they've been they've been playing well the last couple of weeks. So Hibs have shown some signs of improvement, but I still think they're a wee bit off where they have to be. So that's an away win for me again. And the next match up is maybe the the big game of the weekend: Motherwell versus Aberdeen. Grudge match, crunch game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy this one, Greg. Yeah, I I don't think Aberdeen have been good enough this season. I mentioned earlier that. Uh, they'd be happy with a point and although I was saying that positively earlier it's, it's also a negative that they are happy getting a point uh, I'm going to go for a Motherwell win for this one and I'm going to go for a 3-0 don't don't copy me Laurie I've not actually, I've only went 2-0 um, so a slight change for that one yeah, I think whilst um, Aberdeen are looking pretty dire and don't seem to have a lot in attack. I think Craig Brown, you know, I don't want to compliment too much on Greg's here, but he he always kind of sets his stall out reasonably solid and I don't think they'll get a doing, you know. For Greg's sake, I hope that they do, but um, <laughs> I know there's a bit of a, I, I'm apparently a bit of a, an anti-Aberdeen person on the forum, so I better not say too much. Um, I want Aberdeen to do well. All the time. Um, no, so 2-0, I think Motherwell will be hurting as well. I think they'll want to bounce back. And as Greg says, it's a bit of a grudge match. They will certainly won't be wanting Craig Brown to pick up any points at Fair Park. And I don't think they will. So 2-0 Motherwell. Yeah, not surprisingly enough, I've gone, for, I've gone for a home win as well, I think. I've gone 3-0, although that might be a wee bit optimistic given Saturday's performance. But I think, yeah, I think defeating this one's just unthinkable for us at the moment if... Uh, if Stuart McCall thought the, the fans were unhappy on Saturday there, they'll be absolutely livid if Aberdeen take anything from Fair Park next week. So I'm confident that they'll they'll get the um they'll get ourselves back on track tomorrow against Hibs and then we get the confidence up for a, a resounding victory over over Aberdeen. I'm gonna go th- I'm gonna go three 0 on the, the predictor, fingers crossed. Next game up St Mirren versus Kilmarnock. And St Mirren have been impressed with them this season and Kilmarnock less so I'm going to go for a home win for this one, and I'm going to go for a 1-0 victory to St Mirren. I've went 2-2. I think uh, both teams play very kind of attack and expansive football, so I think both teams will score. So it's about to be 0-0 now. But um, I couldn't couldn't really separate them, so I've went for a 2-2 draw. Yeah, likewise. Two two decent sides. both playing some nice football at the moment, not a great deal between them, so I'm going to, going to go score draw as well, one each. And the final game of the weekend on the Sunday is St Johnson versus Harps. The big live game. Who, who, <laughs> who, who picked that one out, by the way? I mean, Mouth, I, mouth-watering. I shouldn't really, I shouldn't really mock, slag my own team's game, but who the hell picks St Johnson Hearts as the live game on ESPN on a Sunday? They've been listening I, to the podcast and they've been listening <laughs> to me to me building up Sandaza and you building up Hearts. It's, 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 it's Gadari Granger back at his old stomping ground and Stevenson back to where he made his name and that nah, it's not really going to be that interesting, is it? <laughs> right, I'm going to be specific with my goals here because Sandaza's definitely going to score. Here we go again. I hope you get I hope you get a good agent fee for this move that you're lining up for him. Well, he delivered this week, this weekend. <laughs> uh, so Sandaza's going to score, and I think that it's going to end up a draw, one each. Sorry, Laurie. It's all right, it's the same score I've put down again. All right. <laughs> I was actually almost leaning towards a 2-1 St. Johnson win. As I say, still not convinced by our um, kind of travelling away sort of form. 
I hope to be convinced by Sunday, but at the moment, again, couldn't separate us. So I reckon it will be quite uninspiring, to be honest, and a not so shabby point one one. Yeah, I've gone there. I've taken Hearts in this one. I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll run out two one winners because. Uh, as much as St Johnston won three 0 at the weekend, it was it was against that. It was against a poor Motherwell side, and to be honest, there wasn't a lot in lot in the way of creative football coming from St Johnston either. So I, I think Hearts have maybe um, have maybe turned the corner a wee bit under Sergio, and they they might just be looking to redress their, their poor away form. So I'm uh, I'm back in the the Maroon side, Edinburgh. In this one, I'm going to go two one Hearts. Well, that brings us to the end of the the preview of the the upcoming games. And brings us to the end of the podcast as well. Thanks a lot, both of you, for, for coming on. Especially when the recording took place on the, the Monday instead of the Sunday to accommodate a, a day in the pub for myself. <laughs> That's all right, you know. The same happened. What what can we do, Craig? You know, our teams win derbies. It's just what happens. <laughs> See, I actually could have done the recording because I was home for about the back eight. But... I ended up in bed for nine. So. See, see, I didn't, I didn't get home till midday the next day after Edinburgh Derby. So yeah, I was, I wouldn't have been there for the podcast recording. <laughs> Come on, it Craig, we're we're the young ones. You're supposed, to, you shouldn't be getting home the same night. Jesus, oh, oh, I know, in bed for nine letting, as well. Letting the side down. It's always a sign of a good day when you're in your bed before ten o'clock. I think that's a sort of a stamp on a, a cracking day. Out. <laughs> For old guys like me, though, you know, in your bed, in your bed, back and it's not entirely um, unusual these days. So, you know, <laughs> I need you boys to to keep the side up here. Right. So, as I say, thanks for for coming on, and Greg, hopefully, get you on at some point in the future. Yeah, no bother. After the Cheers. next time, Motherwell get humped. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I tell you, see if we get beat. See if we get beat tomorrow on Saturday. It's the last time I'm coming on this podcast. <laughs> so I reckon it's putting the kibosh on it. So uh, you better watch those results come the weekend because another two defeats and that's me. I'm gone. <laughs> and Laurie, I'll speak to you next next Sunday in our usual spot. Cheers. Right. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Right. <laughs>